We will resume our series on the book of Hosea, and this morning's message is part 14 of that series. And so let's read Hosea chapter 7, and this time we will just read verse 1. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered, and the wickedness of Samaria, for they commit falsehood, and the thief comes in, and the troop of robbers spoils without Uh, Thus far, the uh, reading of God's holy, infallible word, and may God himself add his divine blessing to it. Uh, Here in our passage, God describes himself as a healer, indeed as a gracious healer. And that's our theme in this message And as we study our text in light of this theme, I will give you seven observations. Here's the first one, if you are jotting down. God is willing to heal you, but you have the responsibility to come to Him for healing. For instance... Your family doctor is willing to help you with your sickness, but you need to come and see your doctor. You have the responsibility to uh, pick up the phone and make an appointment with him or her. Ordinarily, our family uh, doctor will not come to us to help us. In fact, if you allow me to ask you this simple question, has your doctor ever come to your house to treat you with your illness? I'm afraid not. Well, here in our text, Israel was broken and in great need of healing. First of all, Israel was politically broken. As you may know, uh, during this time, God's covenant people were divided into two kingdoms. The uh, northern uh, kingdom consisting of ten tribes and the southern kingdom of Judah consisting of two tribes. And here in chapter 7, God is addressing specifically the uh, northern kingdom of Israel, which was spiritually and morally broken at this time. And that's why we read in verse 1. Look at verse 1, please, again. God speaking here, When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim... Now, by the way, Ephraim, during this time, was the leading tribe of the northern kingdom. So when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria 
Now, Samaria was the uh, capital uh, city of the uh, northern kingdom. So, really, the terms Israel, Ephraim, and Samaria refer to one place. They all refer to the northern kingdom of Israel. And here's God's point here in uh, verse 1. Israel, Israel, I am willing to, to heal you of all your iniquity and wickedness, but you will not come to me for healing. I am willing to forgive you of all your sins, but you will not come to me for forgiveness. And really this passage echoes the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. But you were not willing. Or, or, or we can put it this way, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to heal you as a physician heals his patients, but you were not willing to come to me for healing. Can God say this to you right now? Can God say to you this morning, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, or replace the word Jerusalem with your name. How often I wanted to heal you as a physician heals his patients, but you were not willing to come to me for healing. And therefore, if you die from your sickness, you cannot blame me. God is saying to you this morning, it is your fault I am willing to heal you, but you are unwilling to be healed by me. You will not come to me for help. You will not call upon me in prayer and make an appointment with me as it were. God is willing to heal us. And when you come to Him for healing, mercy. As He has promised, He will not turn you down. John 6, 37, Him that comes to Me, I will in no wise cast out. I will never, never reject or turn down anyone who come to Me. That's the promise of Jesus to those who come to Him for healing. Now, a doctor may refuse to accept you as a new patient. That's possible. Maybe you just moved in this area. You are new in this area and you are looking for a family doctor. And maybe you, you call this office I'm looking for a doctor. And you got rejected. They said, we're sorry. We, we have too much patience now. We cannot accept a new patient. Or maybe 
a doctor has refused to treat you simply because he cannot treat you. Maybe you have cancer and your doctor is not an oncologist. And therefore, he said to you, I'm sorry, I cannot treat you. Or maybe your doctor is too busy to treat you. He has a lot of patience. No time for, for you. You will have to wait for months before he can treat you with your illness. Or maybe your doctor is unavailable simply because he is on vacation. He doesn't want to be disturbed. But you see, with, with our great physician, with Jesus, our great doctor, you will never hear those words. Jesus never takes a vacation. He's always on call. He's always ready to receive a call from you. He's always available. And He can treat all sicknesses. He can forgive all your sins. He's a specialist in that sense. He's specializing in forgiving sinners. And He always accepts a new patient. You will never hear Him say to you, I'm sorry, I have enough patience to take care of. No, he always welcomes a new sinner. Come to me, come to me, for I delight to heal you. I am willing to heal you. But you need to come, you see. That's your responsibility. And that's the problem that we see here in our passage. God is saying to Israel, whenever I come to heal you, you're not willing to come to me for healing. You're not doing your responsibility. You don't call upon me in prayer. Maybe you're doing the same. Are you like Israel in our passage? Second observation. God is so willing to heal you that He takes the initiative to come to you. When we read verse 1, we get this, this sense that it is God Himself who takes the initiative to come to His own people. For God knows that His own people will not come to Him on their own. The uh, Puritan commentator Matthew Henry reads verse 1 this way. When I was about to come towards them in ways of mercy, even when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria when I was about to come towards them in ways of mercy. You see, it is, it is God who takes the initiative to come 
to Israel because he is so willing to heal his own people. Now our family doctor is not like that. He will not take the initiative to knock at the door of your house and say, Listen! You need me. You need my healing help. No. When was the last time you saw your doctor in front of the door of your house offering help to you? But you see, in the gospel, whenever the gospel is proclaimed, that's precisely what Jesus is doing. He is coming to you. And He's saying to you, Come to me and I will heal you. I am here. I have, I have come to you. I'm, I'm here in front of you. The only thing that you need to do is accept my mercy. My healing grace. But you keep rejecting me. That's what Israel is doing here. Whenever Jesus or whenever God comes to them, Israel rejects God. In uh, Luke chapter 2, if you remember, Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. And we read in verse 16, And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw Jesus eating, with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors? Now, boys and girls, you realize that during this time, tax collectors were viewed as the worst sinners. They were regarded as dishonest, corrupt people. You don't want to work as a tax collector during this time because these tax collectors were known for cheating. They cheated. And so the Pharisees and scribes said to the disciples, disciples of Jesus, Your master is eating with, with tax collectors? Verse 17, when Jesus heard it, He said to them, to the scribes and Pharisees, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous or the self-righteous, but sinners to repentance. Ironically, <laughs> when, when the Pharisees and scribes made this comment, Jesus your master, your, your, your rabbi is, is eating with sinners, with tax collectors, with dishonest people. It's like you seeing your doctor, your family doctor, with sick people. Of course, what do you expect? A doctor will be with sick people because that's what he does for a living. What do you expect, Pharisees and scribes? 
And that's why Jesus, Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician. At least, or they think they are well. The Pharisees, the scribes, they think they are, they are good, they are well, no sickness, but they are so sick. Jesus said, I did not come to call those who think they are well, those self-righteous. I came for sinners. I came precisely for sick people. And here's the point here. Jesus came. He, he took the initiative. He came down from heaven to heal sick sinners such as we are. What mercy that is. Now, imagine this scenario. You are too sick to come to your doctor's office. Too sick to even make a phone call and, and, and make an appointment with, with, with your doctor. And so your spouse called the office, the doctor's office. And the doctor said, okay, since your, your husband is unable to come to my office, I will come to your house and treat your husband. And here comes the doctor. And as soon as you see your doctor, you shuts the door. No. I don't want you to come to my house. That's a picture that we see here in our passage. God took the initiative. Really, you can read verse 1, something like this. Whenever I would come to you, Israel, you would reject me. Is that you this morning? Has God described you this morning? Are you like this Israel in our passage? God keeps coming to you, offering you His mercy, but you keep rejecting it. You are so foolish. So foolish. Third observation. You do not come to God for healing because you foolishly think you have no problem. Look at verse 2 of our passage, Hosea chapter 7. And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. In other words, the people of Israel here deceive themselves into thinking that they are okay when in fact they are so sick, so wicked. Just look at verse 1 again, the uh, latter part of verse 1. For they commit falsehood. They, they cheat each other. The thief comes in. They, they break into houses and steal. The troop of robbers spoils without or outside. They, they rob people in the streets. They, they take 
property by force in the streets. Verse 4, they are all adulterers. Spiritually and literally. What a, what a chaos. We see here in chapter 7. And mind you, this is the Old Testament congregation of Israel. This is, this is a church. The northern kingdom of Israel. A church that thinks she is healthy when she is not. A church that, that, that thinks that she does not need a, a doctor. Like the Pharisees, basically. Well, we, we are okay. You need a healing, not me. I am well. I am righteous. You need to see a doctor, not me. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, some, uh, someone explains the uh, Hebrew word translated desperately wicked has the idea of a terminal incurable illness. So you, you can, you can read, uh, verse Jeremiah 17 verse 9 in this manner. The heart is deceitful above all things and terminally ill, incurably ill, exceedingly corrupt, or in ESV, desperately sick, and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. You don't even realize how sick you are. And that's why you don't come to God for healing. And that's why we, we read in our passage, look at verse 9. Strangers have devoured his strength and he knows it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knows not. They have, they have no idea how sick they are, how, how wicked they are. Have you not wondered when you look around? You look at, for instance, the LGBTQ community. The so-called drag queens. How they perform. They're, they're just so awful. What, what, what they do in front of children. Half naked. Sometimes wonder, don't they realize how wicked that is? You see, they have no clue. They think what they're doing is, is great, wonderful. And that's why they don't see the need for a doctor. Like the Pharisees in the New Testament. We are well. Why do we need Jesus? You need Jesus, not me. In fact, they will even turn to you and say, in fact, you are crazy. 
you guys, you Christians are, are crazy. You need to see a mental doctor, a psychiatrist, because of what you believe. You're so narrow-minded. Fourth observation. You know you are sick, but you don't come to God for healing because you don't realize how sick you are. And this is related to my third point. You know you are sick, but you don't come to God for healing because you don't realize the seriousness of your illness. Yes, you, you are ready to admit that you are not perfect. That, that, that's given. That, that's given. You, you talk to the ungodly, to the wicked. Are you perfect? Of course not. Oh, wonderful. So you, you made a, a, a great admission that you are not perfect. Do you sin? Of course I, 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 I sin. I make a mistake. But the moment you, you try to Narrow it down. Okay, what, what, what have you done? What did you do against the Lord? Like, we, we ask for forgiveness. And usually when we, when we do so, it's, it's so general. Lord, please forgive us all our sins. But what if God is to ask you, okay, you tell me, what have you done against me? What, he, what is it that, that, that you have transgressed? Please tell me. Oh, no, no, I cannot tell you. It's too private. Too embarrassing. No, 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 no. In fact, I was recently talking to a friend. He said to me, and he's almost 50 years old, and he said to me, you know, I never heard my mother say sorry in my life. Imagine that. I never heard my mom say sorry. Not once. What's the implication? I'm okay. I'm always right. You're always wrong. Oh, what a terrible thing to... to To do. Not to say sorry. When in fact we know that we all make mistakes. But you see, here Israel will readily admit that, that she is not perfect. But she doesn't really realize the serious, critical condition of her heart. Again, going back to Jeremiah 79, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, desperately sick. Who can know it? Who can understand it? We don't, we don't get it. In fact, just as when we study God's love, we can only scratch its surface. The same. It's true when we, when we study sin. When you, when you study the theology of sin, you can only scratch its surface. We really have no idea about the sinfulness of sin, how evil sin is. 
You see, sin is a killer. It's a separator. It separates us from God. Sin has killed many souls. Sin has separated many relationships. And sin is worse than what we think. And unfortunately, sometimes we treat sin like a, a cold. Now, ordinarily, you don't see your doctor when you have a cold. I hope you don't do that. That Whenever you have a cold, you, you, you phone your doctor. I'm not feeling well. What's wrong? I have a cold. You will at least get a cold maybe once or twice a year. Uh, but you, you call your doctor when the case is really serious. But sometimes we treat sin like a cold. So we don't see the need. Oh, I'm good. It's just a cold. No, it is not a cold. It is a cancer that has to be treated. Our wound is deeper than than. It appears we have terminal illness. You and I are dying. We are dying. We need God's healing mercy. And you don't want to wait until your cancer gets worse and worse and worse. Maybe it's it's like if you've been diagnosed with cancer, let's say it's Stage zero or stage one. You don't say, well, it's only stage zero. It's only, it's only stage one. I will wait until it becomes stage four. Then I will call my doctor. Then I will seek some help. Foolishness. That's foolishness. As soon as you, you find out that you are a sinner, you don't, you don't need to, 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 to say, well, I, I still need to really Feel the, 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 the death of my sin. <laughs> Are you a sinner? You answer, yes, that's enough for you to come to God for healing. It takes one sin. Come to God. See, you don't come to God for healing because you don't realize the seriousness of your illness. Fifth, observation. You do not come to God because you do not know Him. Now, it's possible that somewhere in Vineland, where I live right now, there is a doctor there. But I have no idea. Maybe I already met that person. But I have no clue that this person is a doctor. Why will I ask that person to heal me unless I know that he is a physician? But you see, people today don't come to God for healing because they don't know Him as a gracious, merciful healer. Or they may have heard of Him, but they doubt His willingness and ability to heal them. They question God's omnipotence, God's power to heal them of all their diseases. And so they don't come. 
to God. Now, do you know that the God that we encounter here in Hosea chapter 7 is the same God who made a promise to His covenant people in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and, and turn from their wicked ways, then, here comes the promise. And the promise is conditional. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. The principle embedded in this verse remains true today. And, and notice the sequence here. If you humble yourself, that is to say, if you admit that you are sick, and yes, it takes humility to admit that something is wrong with us. You know, you have people who try to deny the reality of the condition of their health. No, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. No, you are not okay. Be humble enough to admit that before the Lord and say, Lord, I am not okay. Something is wrong with me. I'm not feeling well. Give up your pride. Then pray and seek my face, God says. Take that phone. Pick up that phone. Make an appointment as it were with God. And say, Lord, I'm calling upon you in prayer. Please, Lord, I beg you. I seek your face. I seek your favor. I seek your mercy and grace. Please, Lord, heal me. Turn from their wicked ways. That's repentance. If you repent of your sin, what is repentance? It is a turning away from your sin. And then God says, I will forgive you your sin and I will heal you. I will heal your broken soul. Do you know who God is? Do you really know who He is? Do you know how much willing He is to heal you, to forgive you? Then why? Why are you not coming to Him? Sixth observation. You do not come to God for healing because you simply don't want to. Verse 1 again. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria. In other words, whenever God comes to heal His covenant people, they sin even more. Imagine that. They sin even more. It's like you know that you have a heart problem. 
Your doctor has told you, watch for your cholesterol, for your blood pressure. And, and, and whenever your, your doctor comes to you because he's so kind to you, he, you are so stubborn, you will not see, you will not want to see your doctor, but your doctor cares for you so much that he comes to you personally, he comes to your house. But what do you do? You're eating junk foods. That will only increase your cholesterol and ruin your blood pressure. That's what we see here. That's 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 a picture here. God is coming to them for healing, and whenever He would come, Israel would sin all the more, all the more. So stubborn. And you know, you have people like that. I've heard of this story. Someone died because he would not want to see a doctor. His wife said, you need to see a doctor. All his children, dad, you need to see a doctor. No! I don't need to see a doctor. I am, I, I, I'm okay. He died. He died. Because of pride, because of stubbornness. Remember obstinate in the pilgrim's progress. Obstinate is so foolish, so stubborn that he would not want any change. He he refuses any change. No, I've been this way since I was born. I don't want to change. You cannot you cannot persuade me. No. Nope, that's just it. And I'm afraid that some of you are like that, like obstinate, like Israel here. God keeps coming to you and, and you say, nope, this is how I grew up. Nope, nope, it, it, nope. You make excuses upon excuses. Nope, I'm not going to come to, to the Lord. I don't want to come. Then go ahead, don't come. Die in your sickness. Die in your sin. And really, that's what we see here. Look at verse 2. And they consider not in their, in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now, God says, now their own doings, not God's doing, but their own doings, have beset them about. Their own wickedness has beset the people of Israel. Their own sin, their own sickness has led them to destruction. God left them to their own sickness, which is gradually killing them. Okay, you don't, you don't want to treat your cancer? Go ahead. It will slowly kill you. You know, uh, when you read Romans chapter 1, remember what God did to the reprobates, to the wicked, to the ungodly. God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts. God completely abandoned them. Why? Because they would keep refusing God. They would not want to be healed. And so they died in their wickedness. 
When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria. Of course, this wickedness reached its culmination at Calvary. At Calvary. Here you have Jesus who left the glory of heaven. He came down on earth to seek and to save that which was lost, to heal sinners such as we are. But what did we do? What did the people during the time of Jesus do to Him? They persecuted this great physician and even crucified Him. They killed Jesus. You talk about wickedness. This is the height of wickedness. It's like this. Now imagine here on Ontario, all of us have been, have been diagnosed with a terrible form of disease. We are all dying. We are all dying. All of us. Boys and girls. But someone from, from another province, let's say someone from, from British Columbia, graciously came to Ontario. No one would dare uh, come uh, uh, to, to Ontario because of the situation. Because this is so contagious, whatever we have. And yet this doctor from, from British Columbia, he said, I will come to Ontario to heal those people who live there or else they will all die. And yet as soon as this doctor, this physician from British Columbia came, we killed him! We killed him! We killed him! We killed him! That's what we did to Jesus. He came out of mercy, out of love to heal us. And yet in return, we killed Him. We talk about wickedness. No, we don't want Jesus. We don't want Him. Now, Final observation. You come to God because you have been made willing to come to Him. If this morning you know Jesus as your great healer, the great healer of your soul, if this morning you come to Jesus, you know very well that it is because God has made you willing to come to Him. This is His sovereign grace. This is His mercy, pure mercy indeed. First of all, if you, if you see your sickness as God sees it, if, if you treat your sin as God treats it, if, if you understand how wicked, desperately wicked your heart is, you know that it is because the Holy Spirit has opened your blind eyes to it. If you can see the beauty and glory of Jesus as your great healer, you know that that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And you know 
that the reason you have come to Jesus is because you are one of His chosen people. You are one of the elect. Now, please listen to this. A hyper-Calvinist, and maybe some of you came from that tradition, a hyper-Calvinist is more concerned about God's secret will than His revealed will. What's the difference between the two? Secret will of God and God's revealed will. When you say secret will, this is God's will that He has not revealed to us. He has not told us all the names of His chosen people. I wish He had, so I would know. It would be a lot easier for me to do the work of evangelism. Because if this one is not one of His elect, I would not waste my time sharing the gospel with that individual person. But you see, the Lord has not revealed to us His chosen people. But what He has told us clearly in His Word, and this is His revealed will, is that each sinner, all sinners, must come to Him for healing. That's we know for sure. A hyper-Calvinist is more concerned about God's secret will. And oftentimes this, this person would, would, would say something like this. Well, I, I will, yes, I want to come to Jesus, but first I want to know if I am one of His chosen people. Until then, I'm not going to come. After all, how can I come if I am not one of His elect? Foolishness. Don't think that way. Think the other way around. Well, God's revealed will tells me I am a sinner, that I must come to God for healing grace. Then you will know once you come to God that you are one of His elect. Like this. Now imagine this is your, this is your doctor's office. This is your doctor's office. And there is a sign in front of his office, in front of the door of his office, all is welcome, invited to enter this room for help. You, you, you need help? Come. All of you. And you see that? Oh, all. That includes me. All patients, all sick people. I am, I am sick. I must come. And when you come, there's another sign. You have come. You have entered this room because... You are one of my chosen people. What's the point? You see, it is when you come that you will know that you are one of His elect. And so if this morning you are struggling, am I really one of His elect? How will I, how will I know? You will never know until you enter that room. Until you come. Come. Then you will know. You will read that sign, you will read His word, I have chosen you. 
So instead of being too concerned about God's secret will, too concerned about His sovereignty at the expense of your responsibility or duty to come, focus on what He has told you in His Word. Focus on His revealed will. Come. 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 As Joseph Hart wrote one of my favorite hymns, Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Let me conclude this message with another encouragement. If you are still doubting God's willingness, the willingness of Jesus to heal you, to save you, to forgive you all your sins, do you know that Jesus is so willing to heal you that He gave His life for you. Here's a physician who died for his patients. I don't think my doctor is prepared to die for me. I don't think your family doctors either. But here is Jesus, the great physician, who is so willing to heal all sinners who desires all to be saved, that He actually died for His patients. He died for sinners such as you and I. And why? Why did He die? Because that's the only way that He can heal us. There is no other way. The doctor, this physician, must die in order for Him to heal you. And that's why we read in Isaiah, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And with His stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. What a physician! With His stripes, you and I are healed. Stripes referring to His sufferings. When people scourged Him, when people beat Him, when people flogged Him, those stripes healed your wounds. Ironically, it is the death of Jesus that has killed our death, our cancer. It is the atoning death of Jesus that has cured us of our spiritual disease. You tell me, He's not willing. You tell me He's not loving. You tell me He's not merciful. You tell me Jesus is not gracious. What else do you want to hear? 
What else do you want Him to do for you? He gave His life for you. Come. Come. And receive His healing, mercy, and grace. He is waiting for you. He has been waiting for you. In fact, He has come already to you this morning in the Gospel. The only thing you need to do is receive His mercy and say, Lord, heal me and I will be healed. And once you have been healed, you can sing with the psalmist, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases. And once you have been healed, then you have the responsibility to tell other sick sinners about this great physician, that there is such a beautiful, lovely, merciful, gracious physician who is able and willing to heal all sick sinners. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you so much for who you are to us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for us, your patience, to heal us of our diseases. Not physically, but spiritually, to forgive us, to save us. Indeed, with your stripes, we are healed. We are forgiven. Oh Lord, allow us then this morning to bless, to bless you with all our heart, mind, and soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.